Welcome to Fields of Consciousness, a podcast for consciousness conversations with your host, myself, Jeffrey Stegman. And I'm Clayton Stedman. And I'm special guest, Regina Meredith. <laughs> As consciousness explorers and founders of Focus Life Force Energy, we're here to bring a holistic approach to consciousness and offer practical examples of how you can take your life to the next level. In this episode, we have our special guest, Regina Meredith. Together, we dive into how to find peace during tumultuous times. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the Fields of Consciousness podcast. I'm Jeffrey Stegman. And I'm Clayton Stedman. Yeah, great to have you with us, Regina. Thank you. It's good to see you two again. Yeah, we've been, been f- friends a long time. Yeah. We, we were just remembering the recording at Gaia TV back in 2016, which an episode with Clayton and I on, on, on your, was it Open Minds then? Mm-hmm. The Open Mind Show. And yeah. After we had done one. On Regina, on my, uh, no, we hadn't done one on my site yet. I had done a tiny little Facebook post Mm. that resulted Mm. in like 25,000 views and people saying, What is FLFE? You know, they, it was really kind of shocking to all of us what happened. That was from a little Facebook post. (laughs) So obviously it was striking people. There was something in it that they needed or wanted and started finding their way to you. It was, it was crazy because I don't usually get 25,000 reads on a Facebook post. <laughs> well, you've been, you've been in this industry or this world for a long time. I mean, you're, you go back way before even Gaia. Right. Yeah. It was conscious media network, right? Way back in the day. Network. I remember when you, Clayton, were at our living room table in <laughs> yes. I think oh, yeah. when we first started Conscious Media Network, it would have been like, you were probably there around 2005 or six, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2004, 18 mm-hmm. years ago. Just, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I remembered your email address from 20 years ago today from the uh, Forest Rangers. It was the, uh, I, won't say it out, I won't say it out loud, but <laughs> yeah, that was kind of crazy. It's funny how the mind remembers stuff like that. It is. I never knew what it was from, actually. I just sort of took it on. <laughs> Scott gave that one to me and I said, okay. So 20 years later, you found out. Here we are. Yeah. So we've been on ReginaMeredith.com a number of times. That's always fun and interesting. And I really enjoy your guests. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so much there. I do too. I love it because what happens is Gaia is a large operation and studio. And so they Mm -hmm. don't fly anyone in that's not in the United States. So that limits a lot of people. So the nice thing about Zoom um, is that I can invite anyone I want on from anywhere mm-hmm. and have uh, additional conversations that are really, I'm, I'm just thrilled with. So yeah, mm-hmm. it expands the potential. It expands the reach of information for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, today we, we thought it was important for the three of us to get together and talk about peace. 
talk about coming to peace in this in these times, uh, tumultuous times, you could say, or changing times. So we, you know, we're really glad to have you with us, Regina. We'd always love to be with you. And thank you for inviting me. I mean, I think our fellow tattered human beings are already here. Some good ideas about how we can even start relating to beasts again after being so thrown apart, deliberately thrown apart um, by our media, by the governments of the world. Mm -hmm. Families and friends have fallen out over one subject after another. Mm -hmm. We never used to do that just because we didn't agree. And now mm -hmm. it's literally, I think, caused tattered hearts. That's how I feel it. I experience mm -hmm. people lonely for the connections they've lost. People mm -hmm. lonely for people they've lost, mm -hmm. literally. And mm -hmm. uh, so what do we do to start weaving this back together and recovering? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's important. Like there's a loneliness for a life, a lifestyle we used to have, like being able to travel and uh, yeah. being able to get together. We had a dinner party last weekend here, and it was just strange being with all these friends in in our house. Just, we weren't, you know, weren't used to it. Been locked down for so long. It's it's not normal anymore to be with friends and to spend time. What did mm -hmm. it? What when you say it felt so odd? What was the awkwardness in it? after having been so long without that, how did, how did it feel? Well, it felt like, are we doing something wrong? Are we allowed to do this? Is it safe? There's a lot of strange thoughts that I just haven't had amongst my group of friends. I don't know if I've ever had those thoughts. There is a, there is a, uh, a reticent to connect and it's like, you're checking it's like, you know, when you go to travel and you have your checklist, right? You don't want to forget anything. It felt like that. I was like checking. It's like, oh, is this okay? Mm. Yeah. And all of those things you said are all, it sounds like the result of being, having uh, essentially an, an agenda of fear propagated again and again and again and again mm -hmm. uh, on all of us. So would you, why would you question, you know, is this okay to do? Well, that that's kind of, when you think about it, it's kind of sad we even would have to have that thought, but a lot of people have that thought. Am I safe to be around my sister? Am I safe to be around mm -hmm. my cousins or my father? All of this fear that's been fostered, and we have a lot to contend with, in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. to begin stripping away the fear back to what's real. It wasn't a peace-inducing set of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not at all. And they may be thought forms that aren't, aren't yours, Clayton, that come in from, from the society at large or some other means. One thing I didn't do is I didn't try to measure where the thoughts came from. That's interesting. I hadn't thought, mm -hmm. of, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So coming to peace, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it's important. I mean, it just feels better. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we tend to talk about fields of consciousness and thought forms as we've, you know, just started to, to get into. It's like in a higher LOC or a higher level of consciousness field of peace, you know, it's much higher than worry, fear, regret, anger, all those lower emotions that it just reflects outward into our relationships, into our health, into our bodies to 
and out into the world. Yeah, so I guess we're talking about why is peace important? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an assumption, but you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it helps with sanity. <laughs> and that's why I had in my notes. <laughs> peace is associated with sanity and, tr- and, tr- and truth. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's been very uh, challenging for people to find a peaceful place. And so I've noticed that more and more people, even though it wasn't required necessarily, have started withdrawing more, mm. started narrowing down their circle of friends and acquaintances mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because they got into a place where they were so tattered and overwhelmed, they couldn't just de- they couldn't deal with the energy of another person anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. interesting because it doesn't have to do with any set of ideas per se, mm-hmm. or any I- ideals mm-hmm. or agendas. Just feeling so vulnerable and raw, they didn't want to be around other people anymore. And then, of course, mm. once we got used to it in lockdown, it was a lot easier to do that. And mm. uh, <clears throat> I have to say, if I can speak for myself during that whole period, um, I lived in a place that was where, that handled it quite differently. Um, and it is really surprising to see the difference in the people who were not subjected to that and the people who were. I live Mm -hmm. in Placer County in the Sierra Foothills and in the state of California during the lockdowns and so forth, we only had a very short period really in 2020 where you couldn't go, you could still go to cafes and pick your food up, but you couldn't go and sit down for a short time. Then they opened up and you could sit down outdoors and pretty soon the whole thing was open and pretty soon the masks were off. And that's been a long time now. So we never really, stopped gathering except for a very brief moment just a couple of months in 2020 and so when you're if you were in placer county you wouldn't see a lot of those psychological effects because each county was left to do what it felt was correct for its citizenry based on you know infection rates when it comes to covid and we had very low infections rate rates so placer county said now we're going to keep it open to the point where the sheriff's department was very open that they were not going to come after businesses. Mm-hmm. So everyone knew what the drill was. So here we just kept going. I, I kept going on planes to Gaia every month, every other month. Nothing changed at all in my reality. And so I never felt that restriction, but I started noticing what was happening to people in those restricted areas, this mm-hmm. kind of pulling away and siloing into self. And then when mm-hmm. you silo into self, you are going to be exposed only to what your preferences are. And that Mm -hmm. changed everything. Mm -hmm. That changed everything. And I mean, I can't imagine Clayton having been in Canada this whole time where it's been so strict. I can't fathom. I don't even know how I would feel. Still can't can't fly and and it's in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You should be able to travel within your own country and you can't in Canada if you're you're not vaccinated. Can't travel by plane or by... um, train and um there's consistently more freedoms being taken away uh, handguns just got banned yesterday i'm not a you know i don't carry a handgun but Nobody it's just a with, with all yeah. these toward, yeah yeah it's, it's definitely it's not a it, it's a globalist uh focus yeah it is it is and i'm i feel very badly that you're in that <laughs> It's it's surreal. Yeah, surreal. 
So depending on how this affected each one of us, <coughs> I totally empathize mm. with that feeling of at what for the first time in your life, not feeling free. Mm. And that's not a very peaceful thought or feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of opportunities to come to peace here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just the news. I mean, all these, you know, the shootings and all these things that are happening, uh, of course, the war in Ukraine, there's just so much that uh, is overwhelming to people that spend a lot of time on the news yeah. and um, people that are really plugged into that. Um, you know, we're relatively free here in Ohio, too. We haven't had really any restrictions since that same same time frame you did, Regina. And, and uh, but there are people that I know that still they go out, they're wearing two or three masks on top of each other. They, uh, they, they try not, they haven't been out to dinner. They haven't been out to stores, you know, as little as possible. So, you know, that, that staying in that fear zone. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, lots of opportunities here. Um, so yeah, how do we get it to peace? <laughs> well, personally, <laughs> I booked the first country that opened, I booked a ticket and uh, cause I'm not vaccinated. So I had to wait until a country opened up uh, that would allow the unwashed in. The unwashed. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm headed to Ireland on Tuesday, but it turns out now all of the UK is open. Mm -hmm. So it's all lovely. And I just, oh my God, I can't wait just to go and be in the green and go to a pub and listen to some trad traditional music. And I might even... I might even suck down a pint of Guinness. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> drunk on my butt if I do, but I might do this for kicks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that, Jeff. The whole you're talking about the opportunities. Mm. There has to be, there has to be always is an amazing opportunity and silver lining in pretty much everything. And I think it's beyond making lemonade out of lemons. Mm-hmm. The people I've interviewed. Vedic astrologers, Western astrologers, psychics and mediums basically all concur. We're in a period of deconstruction and chaos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We all chose to incarnate at this time of deconstruction, Mm -hmm. which is the absolutely critical period before reconstruction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so here we are. Here we are. So I think first, just for me to realize each one of us has chosen to incarnate and be alive on this planet at this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So if we look at it that way, as tough as it is, there are, we can't see ourselves in a victim role. That, that's, that just isn't going to serve us at all. What's the beauty? What's the beauty in this in terms of what we can find within ourselves that maybe we were running too fast and too distracted to see before? And to me, it seems like that's, that's where the hidden mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's part of it's part of the minds. So we can look at maybe a mind, body, spirit, you know, framework here. I mean, certainly the mind puts whatever what, whatever meaning we add to the event, you know. So so we really are in control of our history, which might just be the news we saw ten minutes ago, but it's still in the past. To look at what can we learn or what did we learn from some event maybe years in the past that we felt was, that was traumatic to us at the time 
you know, how, how can we recontextualize that to come to peace with that event and, um, you know, see it as, as, as something that made us what we are today, you know, that we wouldn't be who we are without that defining event and what we learned, learned from it. So there's, there's a, uh, a great book out there, Gap in the Gain, that I've been reading recently. It's a, it's a daily practice of looking back and looking for the gains in pretty much everything that happens and paying attention to those gains. So, so that recontextualizing or taking control of our own timeline, mm-hmm. you know, is one way to come to peace. Indeed. And to go through the layers, we now have the opportunity because of the amount of pain, I think to dig mm. down through the layers a lot more deeply than we have in the past. Um, I know I'll tend to reflect back on a situation and I tend to be a, you know, fairly, to put a positive spin on most things, right? That tends mm. to be my inclination to, mm. oh, well, you know, this was uncomfortable, but it served that. But I found during this time myself peeling the onion layers off much deeper and say, whoa, what was, what was I doing? What was my thinking? What was I buying into and supporting either in myself or another? And that level of inquiry, I never really dove down into that much, you know, not being particularly self-reflective. It's like, oh, well, let's take this and dust yourself off and we'll pick it up and move on. And that's been my way of dealing with life. But I find, I'm finding in the last couple of years that can't do that anymore. Now it's like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the gene keys. Have you, have you heard of human design? Okay. Yes. The next level of that is the gene keys. A fellow mm-hmm. named Richard Rudd created it many years ago. And there's a huge community around the world, of people into gene keys. But what it does, and I bring it up for a reason, is you take your um, profile like you would in human design. Mm-hmm. It goes through from the shadow to the gift to the city, the traits that you were essentially born into or born with. Um, and it's, it's very refined. But what's happened for me is taking a chance to really look at what is the shadow here? I just assume everything is just great. You know, what is the shadow? And I mm-hmm. think this is a, t- a time of deconstruction is probably a good time to get super honest. My, my, when I was, you know, my dad used to say, my dad is from Texas. He's as honest as the day is long. And he said, honey, child, if you're going to lie, lie to others, but don't ever lie to yourself. Mm. And I thought as the years went on, I thought, man, that is so critical. How we tend to keep things from ourselves about ourselves. Mm. And so it seems to me it's a lovely time to do that. What else are we going to do? Yes, when... um... When we get triggered by an event, the mind will sometimes associate that loss or the perceived loss with all real or perceived losses. Right. And so uh, there's certainly a lot of opportunity to go into the well of shadow. And there's, um, if there's ever a time in, in my lifetime, I think this is uh, the most collective fear on the planet 
I mean, being from Canada, we haven't had a, a war in our soil here since I think 1812 when uh, us and the Americans had a disagreement. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you're from Poland or other places in Europe where they had, uh, you know, a war almost every generation, I particularly think of Poland because just where it is geographically, and I have some Polish friends who talk about um, their experience of, of trauma and how challenging it is when they don't have the tools to deal with it. So I think another opportunity to um, explore during this time is look at our toolkit. Absolutely. I mean, um, obviously, Regina, you've been experienced to probably thousands of healers by now. I mean, energetic medicine, tapping techniques, uh, Gary Craig's work is the tapping. There's uh, many, many different types of um, self, um, self-directed energetic healing that we can do. And uh, of course, there's lots of other practitioners out there that can help us, but, uh, but it's nice to have some tools yourself that you can just pick up right away. And when something comes up, you can start to move it instead of sitting on it until you see somebody, you know, and, and then it tends to kind of gather a little bit of, gather some more dust bunnies uh, on the way to the next session. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a David Hawkins, Dr. David Hawkins video about dealing with crisis and uh, with so much coming up um, in a crisis situation, which it feels like we're in with this, all these emergencies that are happening um, is dealing with the energy underneath, you know, so that, that may, maybe is the well that we t- were talking about where there's pent up energy that may be previous losses or previous um, ego crisis um, that's that's kind of bent pent up, and it looks for a place to to come out. And that those energetic medicine tools help you to be able to release it out. And you know, his advice was deal with that energy underneath and find and just let it come. You know, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. I I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, for myself. I don't have a lot of filters when it comes to crisis, emotions, and so forth. And sometimes it's inconvenient uh, because if you are feeling it and it has to come through as tears or whatever it is, I think it's, uh, I mean, personally, I find it's not beneficial to hold that in. You you need to just let it happen. If you have to go excuse yourself and go to a toilet somewhere in the public space, go where you need to go, but allow yourself to just completely feel what's going on. Otherwise you have a a mess to contend with later by suppressing emotions and feelings. And I'm not really very capable of suppressing them. So that's maybe, maybe that's a good thing, (laughs) but um, it can be an inconvenient thing, but I highly recommend what you just said and what David Hawkins said, feel what you're feeling. If you're angry, be angry. You know, if you have to punch a pillow, punch a pillow, sob, do what we have to do now. To give ourselves mm-hmm. permission to feel everything just to let that pressure off so we can start seeing the finer aspects of self again. Very hard to connect with higher self if you're blocking emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's that pressure underneath that's just driving all your reactions. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's hard to listen to those higher, higher thoughts. Um, yeah, and, and having that time, like this, trying to design in some time to do that, or or just to at least be have nothing on the agenda, 
you know, it's like when it's one meeting to the next meeting to the next, then it's, how do you, you know, it may come up and then you bring it that you, you suppress it. So, or you can. So for me personally, it's taking time uh, to let it come. And sometimes when I take that pressure of the time frame off of things to do, then it just naturally comes up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been in a grief process with my son's death. Yeah. 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 Uh, and well, I think, you know, we can, we can, there are, like you said, you said earlier, Clayton, there are so many modalities out there for us to utilize that have been tried and true. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the simplest things like, um, nature, yes. going for a walk in nature, just sitting under a tree and feeling the, the pureness and sanity and truth of nature. Nature's mm. not mine to you. I think nature, and for me, sound, music is huge. Mm-hmm. The feeling's coming and you're not, it's kind of, you're having a hard time allowing it to come to the surface. Find that thing that's going to boost it right on out of you. That sound, that song, that something that just lets it all flow. I really mm-hmm. think the frequencies of music, light, sunshine, color, um, really basic frequencies were bathed in 24-7 nature are probably the most healing agent we have because there's nothing but truth in them. Mm-hmm. We all need to find our happy place. Yes. Um, I was having, I'm just, I'm going back to the NOM. Remember the NOM restaurant in Vancouver? Did you ever go there, Regina? No. It's this. Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I mean that's way back there. So this is. Uh, Wasn't old. that the place where you'd go in and the wait staff would abuse you? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, if they talk to you, usually they ignore you first. Yeah, but it was, uh, you. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's when you know you have a good restaurant. It's a, it's an old uh, it's a, like you know kind of the hippie place in bank in. Uh, Does it still of, exist, by the way? I imagine it does. It was an icon. I mean, I haven't lived in Vancouver since like 2007. So, um, but there was this, I remember I'm having dinner with somebody and uh, a person went over and um, started playing the piano. And my friend looked over and said, yeah, they're in their happy place. (laughs) Yes. So it's not their only happy place probably, but they just had a natural affinity with the piano. They didn't, Certainly, they didn't complain about their, you know, their parents making them take lessons or they'll practice or whatever. They just sat down and played a song, and it was just—it wasn't overwhelming, you know, to the crowd. It was just kind of a—it was just a magic moment. So, I mean, I find my happy place on the water. If I get out in the water, especially mm-hmm. uh, nature for sure, and um, you know, fishing. But it's just some place that gives you joy. I mean. One of the ways to come to peace is to process out the the very strong emotions that come up. Another way is to be in joy. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Joy and a much overlooked uh, aspect of life called beauty. And that means different Mm. different people. Mm but it's almost always a higher frequency than chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, the happy place can be these high consciousness fields, you know, we create together Clayton and um, where we move into really a creative state of mind and 
being open to what comes through, you know, being open to those thoughts that aren't our thoughts that are, that are higher frequency. And, um, you know, there's, there's a magic in that and in, and then the synchronicities, you know, that we mm-hmm. talked about with Dr. Gary Schwartz, that these uh, communications or language of the divine or higher beings that can speak with us. I mean, that's that perspective there, that higher perspective, maybe timeless perspective can be really peaceful for me to, to look at my, my life and the bumps that are happening and look at the bigger picture of, you know, what we can do, the, the, the mission that we're in, you know, with FLFE and, and uh, so that, to me, that's a, that's a happy place. That's also a, like the spirit aspect of coming to peace is where can we connect? How can we connect to, to a higher being or to a higher purpose? And um, I know you do, do a lot of work on that, Regina connecting i do and um so do many people and um i have to say i have an interview coming out in about a week week and a half with maureen hancock and she's known Mm -hmm. as the stand-up medium because she's a comedian and she's a medium she's well known especially on the east coast and the soon-to-be las vegas uh she does classic stage shows besides personal work with people um Mm -hmm speaking to their deceased loved ones mm. and what's interesting in the interview i said so maureen what is what is the most common message happening right now and she said people the most common one um is that people young people are in such despair that there is just it's uh, taking one's own life is an epidemic now because they can't see mm. any other way forward they can't see a future mm. that looks livable to them and she said virtually without exception when they come through initially from the other side to talk to their parents who are in great distress is they say, I just kind of wished I'd taken a beat on it. I wish I'd reached out to someone. I wish I told you how I feel. I, I just felt so isolated, whatever their personal experiences. But in each case, they say, you know what, as hard as it is, life is so worth living. And um, she said, it's just, this is the most common message she's getting now mm-hmm. is from suicide, pe- people who committed suicide saying, ah, geez, I wish I had thought about it, thought it through a little better, or I had had any kind of tool that I could have reached out to, you know, a little, a little uh, life, what do you call it? A little life ring, a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that message from beyond is really important to understand Life, this life, even now, is so worth living still because of the things we just talked about. We're, we chose to be here as agents of change in a time that is creating now. I think we can all agree what's going to be a revolution because the old systems are crumbling and dying. We're here to begin, A, tear them down, and then the younger generations will be here to build, rebuild them, hopefully in a much more humanistic, holistic, healthy manner. But this is our job to go through this together and have the grit to live through the deconstruction and not give up. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. And that's what these, these young people kept saying through to their parents, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I did. I'm sorry I couldn't find a way to stay. So we have to just 
I think just remember it's worth being here and staying no matter how challenging <laughs> it's looking at the moment, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. It can be, it can be easy to take for granted all of the advances that our for forefathers, foremothers have created for us. I mean, yes. uh, I spent a couple of years in the Middle East and I had no idea how good we have it in, in Canada. I'm from Canada. I mean, I came back and I was, I thought I'd won the birth lottery just given what I'd seen, you know, and I was over there for a couple of years and traveled around the area and I haven't traveled a lot, but mostly it's been, you know, you go to go to a holiday and I'm in a warm country because you're from Canada, you go to Mexico or Costa Rica or someplace and you stay at a, maybe a resort. I'm not really an all-inclusive type person, but, you know, you go to a nice place and you just hang out on the beach. It's really what you want to change and want to relax. But living in a culture that's like that for several years, I mean, I just had no idea how many things I took for granted. Like just good roads, um, you know, the availability of products. Uh, It's just, there's, it was... It was shocking because we took our furniture with us. There was a couple of times when I'd, uh, I'd woke up and I felt like I was kind of in the same, you know, a house in Canada, maybe we just moved and I got into a car and went to the grocery store and it'd be like people, you know, we like, I mean, 50 degrees outside. It was higher than that, 55 sometimes. So 50 is like 125. And there's people walking around in burkas, black burkas, you know, and, it, and, and it's like, Wow. It's all what you used to. Yeah. So in spite of the, yeah. So just along the lines of your thinking, in spite of the, the insanity that's going on, um, there's still things to be grateful for. You don't have to look too far. Absolutely. I, just yeah. last night I sat at a little graduation party dinner next to a woman who's from Russia and speaks with her friends in Russia regularly, mm. almost daily now. And she said, they're so scared. They want out. They can't get out. You can't speak up and you can't get out. And they're in such, they're living in such fear now because they're so deeply upset at what's going on in the Ukraine. And one of them was thrown into prison for nine weeks for some comment they made against the war early on, this conflict that was, you know, perpetrated. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you know, we're, we're sitting in relative ease and comfort. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe we haven't been able to go to the parties and cafes and travel that we like, but, man, it's a lot tougher in other places of the world. Mm-hmm. Just having the compassion and sending that, having appreciation for what we have and having compassion for what they're, the stress they're under, I mm-hmm. think, it's, again, it connects us as human beings that all came to help transform this place. Her mm-hmm. friends are trying to speak up in Russia against Putin. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. And they can't get out. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's the importance in the face of that, and in the face of that news, is, you know, not putting your head in the sand, because that's one response, right? It's like, okay, I'm not going to put the news on. I'm not going to listen. Yeah. And maybe there is some... Benefit of not seeing live news and live reports, and because we know we've talked about in past episodes about that that energetic, you know, the consciousness field and the met, that intensity of that and how it can drive into your into your own consciousness. 
um, but taking responsibility for our moods, you know, for, you know, that we have the power, we have the sovereignty to go hundred percent joy if we choose yeah. any moment and to realize, Oh, I've been, you know, I've been pretty angry for the last few minutes about this and, and making a conscious effort to change that. Yes, and you talked about this before, Jeff, about the notion that it's, our, it's almost, it, I think you said it's almost like a moral obligation to mm. choose kindness. Mm. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's not that we don't have authentic emotions and we're not frustrated and you know, angry or sad, and we can process all of that. But when it comes to interfacing with other people, I happen to agree with you. Kindness, it's not just civility. Mm. Kindness gives an opportunity for people to actually feel safe. Mm. And that's what we don't consider. When someone comes up with their grudges and anger and blaming, whoever's around them cannot feel safe. But when you come with an attitude of goodwill and kindness in the moment, everyone around you can just take a breath and feel themselves again and not have to be on the defensive. Because I'll tell you what, where I drive, <laughs> I live in this area. Well, we consistently make the top five when it comes to worst drivers in America. <laughs> These people cut you off. They're aggressive. They want to race you, you know, just awful drivers. And so there's a reason to be pissed off every time you go out to the, <laughs> out to the stores. It's absolutely, it's absolutely crazy. But anyway, I really related to what you told me about the notion that it's incumbent on us to whatever it takes inside us, please, to just try to be kind to each other in such harsh mm -hmm. times. This, this whole radical honesty of whoever that author was 20 years ago, this ain't it. That's not cutting it right now. We need a little kindness. We need to cut each other a little bit of slack so we can, so we can lift our frequencies to be able to find the beauty and that connection with higher self. It just could get blunted so fast by a careless, unkind comment from another person, boom, the chemicals flood in, we shut down and we can't mm -hmm. hear, we can't hear anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm all for that. And it's just knowing in every moment that each person, we, we just have no clue about their life and what's going on for them and their history and their consciousness level and, and their karmic history you know there's like you know we've talked about connecting across the veil to those that have passed over and we just have so many experiences uh of past lives you know that that's that's a reality and people like dr gary schwartz are doing you know a lot of scientific work on the continuation of consciousness and 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 that connection to higher you know, angels or higher consciousness beings that we've talked about in previous podcasts that, um, you know, each person has their own history in this life, but they have their own history in all these other lives too. Yes. And we just can't know what they're going through and how they came to their views and how they came to how they're acting and just can have compassion for them and for the human condition. Cause we know what we've gone through and we know, times we've been really, you know, um, I don't know, overwhelmed with emotion and with 
things that are happening to us or we feel that are happening to us um, that, um, you know, that compassion, finding that compassion for others, no matter what they're doing, you know, because there's some things happening in the world that just are heinous, you know, that these shootings, like, well, can we have compassion for that person that did that shooting? That's a hard one. It is a hard one, but you know, that person was in so disconnected from self and in so much pain. There wasn't any self left to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, Okay, so here we're all lucky. We all have FLOP. <laughs> we're lucky that we even have the opportunity, just a, just that jump start of being bathed in these higher fields of consciousness, whether we have it in ourself, with, with our cell phone. Mm-hmm. By the way, I have to tell you, it's been a lifesaver for me because, you know, I stay in hotels because I work. I don't oh, work yes. I work in Colorado and I go to stay in different hotels. And I start, duh, I'm, talk about a slow learner. <laughs> I, I have fluffy on my cell phone, but what was happening was I was keeping it in the bathroom charging and I wasn't sleeping while tossing, turning Wi-Fi, just passing through my head, every, all, you know, a hundred different signals if you opened up your Wi-Fi. And so I finally started putting, putting my phone right next to my bed. Boom. I could sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, we're, uh, it's, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I didn't even discover this till about four months ago. How many years have I had this? <laughs> well, my daddy said, "Honey, child, you're a slow child." <laughs> <laughs> and so I just have to thank you so much because I'm actually able now to sleep in hotels and in places where they're saturated. I'm in the country; we're not saturated with it. So, yes, we're lucky, and we all have we all have FLFP. I want to just bring one other thing up. If people want to really bring themselves up right now, it's such a bright spot. And in fact, I'm doing a book club, a live book club on it tonight. Mm -hmm. And the book is called Humankind by Rutger Bregman. And -hmm. it is probably one of the most important and most beautiful, hopeful, not just hopeful, stories of reality of who we as humans actually are. I've never read anything like it. This man's research is amazing. His writing's even better. I mean, a high schooler could understand it. It's clear. It has emotion. It's witty. It's absolutely on track on every level. And basically what it's saying is, as much as we look around and we want to see what we do, we have the ugly force down our throats through media. Even if you open a news app, you're going to have ugly right in your face. That humanity is at heart good. And it gives Mm -hmm. studies from prehistory all the way up through modern wars up through social experimentation the guy did his homework and what he mm-hmm. did is all these things we've been told and taken for granted about these studies about you know one group of people having to electrocute the other mm-hmm. and all that do you know that almost every one of those was fraudulent he went back to and did the mm-hmm. forensics on all of these and saw what actually wow. happened went back into the statements of the participants in all these things. I mean, this is this is a breathtaking work of art, this book. Mm. And mm. basically found out the Stanford experiment, the jailers and the prisoners, fraudulent, mm. fraudulent, fraudulent. We wow. were not these, it's like Lord of the Flies. We're not these ugly low beings. We are here for each other. And it's just how do you how would you go about damaging that? But through isolation. 
Well, we'll put the we'll put that book in the notes, the show notes, because that's that seems really important. It's very important because it's reminding us, us of our actual heart. And it goes mm-hmm. into some very challenging information for people who have firmly held beliefs that there's something wrong with either us or the other guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if uh, if the universe wasn't a positive place, we wouldn't be here to talk about it. Positive positivity is life. Positivity is life. In fact, it even showed in hunter gatherers the people that the men that had more sex were the nice guys, not the ones with the club. <laughs> propagated the nice guys yeah i like that yeah <laughs> well, i always i always love the world war one stories too where the trench warfare extended you know terrible battles and then when once you know they would call these breaks or the, you know once once the peace was declared everybody just jumped up ran played soccer together traded hats and just, you know, had a beer together. It's Absolutely. like, it's like it, it was the structure of, you know, the generals and the, the people that were calling the shots. It wasn't the person, you know, they weren't, they had nothing against the Germans across the line or the English on the other side. It just, um, they were just, we couldn't wait to get together to be together. To be together <laughs> and have some camaraderie. You're so right. Mm-hmm. This book points this up over and over and over again, even in the, even at Gettysburg, when 27,000 of the muskets were evaluated after the fact, they were almost all still loaded. Mm-hmm. Very few people actually fired. They didn't want to fire. In fact, mm-hmm. unless if the boss was looking over at them, you know, waiting for them to fire, yelling at them to fire, they'd, you know, pretend to be putting the powder down in there. <laughs> and they found even multiple steel balls in muskets, which of course you can't fire because mm. they were pretending to be busy. So they didn't push mm. someone over and mm. over another French mm. battle that all this ammunition flying everywhere, but no one's dying. Both sides were shooting over the heads of the other. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to kill each other. You know, we want to be friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, well, that's an important aspect of coming to peace is yeah. that, that we're at, our core loving loving and empathetic you know beings yes that's what that's what this really draws up even with the nazi troops they analyzed it It is very fascinating the studies that were done what they found was the soldiers they had wiretapped them so they're listening in on their conversations when the germans were captured none of it had virtually none of it had anything to do with Hitler or ideology or anything else. These boys were fighting for each other, for their friends. They didn't want their friends mm-hmm. to be killed. Mm-hmm. And it was almost all. And at the very final statement was made, perhaps the reason the Wehrmacht had such incredible power in, when they were powerful was because these people bonded so deeply. They, were, they had each other's backs. Six soldiers would come back so they wouldn't let their friends down. You know, mm-hmm. that's not what we've been told. We've said they're rabid dogs that mm-hmm. got into a philosophy. A lot of them didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a very interesting book. If you can deconstruct a lot of those uh, assumed, standardized perceptions of human nature, that would be extraordinary. That, to me, it's right now, uh-huh. everybody can read that book. It, to mm-hmm. me, it's critical. Where mm-hmm. else are we going to start except to understand, wait a minute. 
despite all this horse crap, we're good. We're good at art. We need each other. We need friendship. This is the most important thing there is to us, is each other. Yeah, I'm reminded that just recently I was at the grocery store, and this has happened to me over and over. I'll, I'll see someone heading into the store, and, you know, they won't, they won't be like me. They'll look, maybe they're, they got tattoos, and they're very thuggy looking. They look, just look mean, you know, and they'll hold the door open for me. And they'll say, hey, and they'll say, hey man, how you doing? It's just like, wow. I love that. I yeah. love that. I mean, this, because really, what is it that we're missing? We're missing each other. You know, we've, we've lost touch with ourselves and each other during the last couple of years. And I think that was by design. Um, you know, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but I think it was by design. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's not our obligation to follow that agenda. No, it seems to be our obligation to to be in love with humanity and ourselves Absolutely. and to change that mood, you know, in ourselves and be, be that, be that person that opens the door and holds it for the next person and says, Hey, how you doing? Men always find it disconcerting when I open the door for them. <laughs> <laughs> you can just get used to it. Huh? I figure whoever's there first. <laughs> you come up to Canada and Nelson and, you can just open all the doors you want. We'll just put a sign out front and uh, <laughs> doors open by Regina. <laughs> so how is it in Nelson? I mean, here you have a tiny, tight community. Mm-hmm. Has it, have people been taken apart from each other? I mean, to a good extent, like you said, with the dinner party, did everyone kind of have this feeling of awkwardness? Because you were such a tight community there. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um one of the reasons I moved to Nelson was because of the vibrancy and all the things that were happening. I mean, it's a 10,000 person town and it has an area around it. It's, you know, for those who don't know, it's uh, probably four hours from a, a city that would be over a hundred thousand. You know, it's an, it's pretty remote. Right. Uh, it's got a fair number of services. It was a, um, originated as a mining town, but it's a big arts community. Um, it's got an arts college in town. There's another town about uh, 10,000 miles away. That's got a couple of, you know, uh, schools in it, pretty big schools, Selkirk college, huge art community, lots of dancing, lots of, uh, music festivals. Um, and everything just got shut down over time. Uh, Regina. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, there's still a nice vibe here, but not what it was. It was just the, uh, the amount of public gatherings really, um, really diminished. And at the same time, there was over a thousand people standing in front of city hall for a 10,000 person town, uh, expressing their, we'll say concern over their loss of freedoms. So in one sense, it's been incredibly cohesive. And in another sense, the public events just, they weren't there. Now it's just like, it's back. Like it was, you know, 2018, 2019, there's two or three things happening every weekend or every night. There's so much happening for the size of the place. Um, so yeah, it, it, it did affect it. Yeah. I was wondering, cause I, I, I loved how tight your community was. I loved 
I love the uh, diversity of things to do. Yes, it's um, it's interesting to um, have the contrast of an extremely you know tight, active community, and then see the uh, the edges of that start to fray. And um, one of the things that the town did was they they gave restaurants permission to have more outdoor seating, you know, so that people could still go out for dinner. And because if you're outside, it's different than being inside. Um, so there's a lots of things that they they did, and um, and the town has a very active, you know, resistance to what most people perceive as a plan that is not to help humanity evolve and keep us safe. It's a plan to take away our freedoms and diminish our spirit. But when 10% of your town comes out to an event that says something, I mean, imagine if 10% of the people in uh, a major Canadian U S city came out, came out for an event, that would be, you know, that's kind of, so when you have these certain types of communities that are very tight knit, there is people just are more active in what, than what they believe in. That's wonderful. Yeah. One of the things, um, one of the things that we wanted to delve into today also was this connection. And I mentioned this earlier was Mm -hmm. that connection with spirit. You both want to talk about that and with, um, higher forces, more refined forces. And what I was talking about earlier is I found uh, many people are having difficulty doing that now because they've been so overwhelmed with negativity. And it's as we talked about in the kindness thing, Mm -hmm. to, to give that gift to each other so we can feel safe and feel ourselves is I think just a really base level, um, I think um, priority is the word I'm looking for. Mm. That kindness is a really base level priority so that we can really start just kind of feeling where we are and feeling ourselves back into those more divine connections. And I'd love to hear from both of you on this. Well, we, when we were talking about this earlier, one of the topics that came up was the idea of consciousness compensation. So what's that mean? Well, in Dr. David Hawkins' work, he talks about, uh, you know, he uses uh, muscle testing to measure consciousness. So he, he, um, he stated that at the time that he wrote the book, one person, the book Power Versus Force, um, one person at 500 out of 1,000 on the Hawkins map of consciousness would compensate for about 600,000 people below uh, 200. So 200 is integrity, 500 is love, 600 is peace, and then it goes up through the stages of enlightenment to 1,000. So when we're talking about connection with a higher power, with the with divinity, with God, whatever we want to name it, the presence of love is more available, and that helps humanity at large in ways that might not be that obvious to us because we are a source of light when we are in a state of lovingness. So I think that's worth mentioning. That, I think so too. So yeah. it's incumbent upon each one of us to keep our frequencies as high as we can possibly manage, right? 
Yeah, and that we're doing good in ways that we may not understand if we're in a loving state. I mean, people, we've been in, all of us have been in the spiritual, you know, studies for decades, decades. And um, people, because I had a coaching practice for 25 years that focused on business as a spiritual path. And people would say, how do I, you know, what's the good life? How do I contribute to humanity and enjoy myself? And just being a loving person is an extraordinary power and resource in the world. If you are, um, I happen to work with a lot of business people. If you are, you know, an, an employer that is as just as you can be and as fair and you pay as much as you can and you treat people with respect, then that's a power of, for good in the world. We don't have to be gurus or, you know, monks sitting in a monastery and praying or a, in a, in a convent, you know, and there's a lot of traditional stories out about there about how you are spiritual and just being a loving parent, being a, a, a just business owner. There's lots of ways to contribute to the world in, in, in perhaps a manner that is more extraordinary than someone who's sitting in a monastery. You know, they have their role and other people have their roles and they're, they can be equal. Yes, and and in fact, when, as you're speaking about that, I'm thinking um, of how many of those places where people would gather and raise their frequencies together were closed down, mm. where people couldn't gather together to raise frequencies collectively. That was another interesting part that really shattered a lot of people who are used to collective prayer, meditation. Yes. My favorite Zen center that I go to when I want to read certain types of texts and have quiet that that's been closed down for years. I don't even know if we're going to reopen. And so that's interesting. It was really up to us to have to generate that from within um, mm -hmm. on our own to a large extent. And as you said, Regina, being in the FLFE environment, which is at those love frequencies, you know, the love level of consciousness is um, so supportive to to connect to be able to shut off that overwhelm that people are feeling uh that i felt with the news and things going on outside and the boost you know i don't know how often you use the 600 boost uh, but that's been really helpful to clear the cobwebs and um, open up that connection so that's something we want your subscriber on the free trial you can you can uh activate a boost once a day and it's a higher level of consciousness at 600, which, um, that would be good for meditation in particular. Mm -hmm. oh. People use it for connecting as well, like to, in their families, uh, people have many creative uses for high consciousness field like that. They, um, start of homework with the kids, um, the start of a difficult conversation with the spouse, like, okay, how am I going to say this? All right, well, you know, let's, let's be in as high a frequency as we can and how we interact with each other. But just taking that time, you know, that, that time in the morning, time at night, whenever it is for me, the morning works better to just sit and be quiet and just connect to that, to that feeling that, is in each of us 
and it does seem to multiply when Clayton and I get together, other Ashtosh, other people on the team, when we get together and the three of us together with you, Regina, it's like the field up levels. And so taking, even if it's just two people, three people, small group, it does seem to really amplify that connection when you're consciously with intent, you know, setting up a, a field or moving into a loving space together. So that's really maybe a place we need to start focusing again after having been separated is to come back together in those fields. Mm-hmm. Let's do a little boost with a few people together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, for myself, I would not, I would not be able to do life without connecting with my other half <laughs> and also with the supportive um, beings that are surrounding us. I, I would not be able to navigate life if it weren't for that connection. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, if I feel confused, if I feel uh, drowning in something or um, defeated on some level, I have to go and just pull everything aside, put everything aside and just sit there and start breathing back up and back out into the forces surrounding us. And everybody has their own means of doing this and it feels differently for everyone, but I don't know how else we can navigate these times other than to move into higher consciousness and connection with the help that's surrounding us and never forget that we have so much help surrounding us. We're just mm-hmm. waiting, waiting for a request. Mm. We forgot yeah. in this isolation, we actually, many people thought they were actually isolated. Mm-hmm. I think that's why so many people took their lives. They felt so isolated. And if we could just see what's dancing around us, like, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know, that's around us all the time. And I think opening up to the reality again and remembering that we are so bathed in love and supportive, loving beings that want only the highest and best for us. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is ask. Yeah, it's so important with this free will. I mean, free will is the rule, so we have to ask. And just knowing that that's, those legions of help are, are around us all the time. Yeah, it's, I don't know how I would get by now without that, without that connection. And that knowing that I just have to say, help me. You know, I don't understand this. What And those thoughts start to come in as we've, talked about in previous podcasts that, okay, is that my thought? No, that's not my thought. That doesn't feel like my thought. It feels like a much more elevated perspective than I've been able to yeah. muster at this moment. Um, and being it. It whose thought it is, does it, as long as you're with it. <laughs> yeah. If it's a thought of peace and uh, gentleness, lovingness, then it's not so important, you know, where it comes from. Uh, I don't think so. I agree. And, you know, the other thing, too, is so many people think, well, I can't, you know, see my guides. I'm not hearing my guides. Um, I don't see apparitions. And so Mm -hmm. many people allow phenomena to become kind of central to their own anxiety about whether they're connecting or not. And I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to understand phenomena is not even remotely required on any level. If you speak from your place of truth, from your, whether it's angst or desire, um, if you're speaking 
to your higher self and to the beings around you. And if you're asking for help, it will be given. You don't have to see special balls of light for this to happen. It's always there. It's always waiting for us to simply ask, ask for help and it will be given. I, I, I couldn't live without it. So I, I think that the notion that we have to all be psychic in order to hear these voices is not serving anyone because that's so untrue. There are many ways to, um, perhaps innumerable ways to explore our connection with the greater good that exists. Yes. And um, yeah, I think we do a disservice to ourselves when we, in general, when we compare ourselves to others mm -hmm. and we think that we have to have that experience for it to be valid. I mean, some people find their happy place at the piano. Some people find it, you know, while walking in nature, playing with the kids. We've got two uh, young girls that are on those big outdoor trampolines. <laughs> yeah. And this time of year, like you know, they, their father sets it up and they're out there giggling and laughing and jumping for hours and hours. It's just wonderful to hear it in the background. And um, they're connected. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be somber to be connected. In <laughs> fact, joyful is way better. <laughs> way higher frequency. In, in those voices, I was, Audrey and I were down at the beach last week for some well-needed rest. And we walked out into the ocean and we went fairly far out and there was a sandbar out there. We were standing up and I just had this thought, the dolphins are coming mm. from the left. And I just didn't pay attention to the thought. And we walked back and we looked back to the ocean and there's probably 20, <laughs> two dozen dolphins right where we were standing. Wow. Playing and jumping. And it's just like, wow, those, those thoughts are coming in. They're not our thoughts. So, and it's, I've, you know, even with everything I know, it's easy to just like not think about it. Okay. Is that my thought? Like, because we could have been right in the middle of all those dolphins and it was just as joyful to see them from the shore. But, but it was, uh, it was an interesting experience of, of a thought coming that wasn't my thought. Yeah, but it was, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, that kind of messaging, I think is happening all the time. And we're just kind of walking right past it because mm -hmm. we have our mindset on this and got to get this done. And so we're not taking the time that happens to me all the time where I hear something and I think, oh yeah, right. And then keep on moving. And it's like, why didn't it? I, would, I literally heard that just a couple hours ago. Why didn't I pay attention? And so I, I think you're right to honor those thoughts that come in sideways as long as they're productive and happy, you know, not a downer. Mm -hmm. um, yes. I think it's really, really important to simply take notice of them because all of us mm -hmm. do this. We went right past all these beautiful messages that are giving us a wonderful little hint or key. You know, what's coming to mind for me is uh, the power of ritual. There's the presence, there's the everyday present being aware of the now, which is a pretty highly elevated place to live in. And when I find myself getting away from that, I go back to a ritual. And then I get connected, like a ritual is just taking a moment to pray or give thanks or, you know, some people meditate and that connects me. And then I can carry 
that awareness for a, a little bit longer throughout the day. You know, hopefully one day it'll be a permanent state, but I'm just reflecting on that, uh, Regina, as you reminding me of the, I think maybe the ultimate state is being present with the now on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be pretty close to the ultimate state, if not the state. Everything happens now. Yeah. Everything that's happening is happening now. Absolutely. And uh, how much of the time we spend uh, drowning. Tennis Hallowell, who's a fellow Canadian. Oh, yes. Yeah. He wrote her a recent book, Good Morning, Henry, that talks about this quite a bit. How much of the time we're not spending now. We're either lamenting the past or fearing or hoping in, for the future. And how little time humanity actually spends right here, right now in this very moment, which is uh, too bad because that's where it's all happening is right now. (laughs) 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 But that's living in that childlike state. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's considered to be childlike is to be now feeling what you're Mm -hmm. feeling now. Totally mm-hmm. loving what you're doing now, completely immersed in what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. That's that childlike state that we have stomped out of us. Mm-hmm. And like you say, you're saying that for you, Clayton, are, do, using ritual, something beautiful that you're familiar with will anchor you back into the now so you can stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for years, since the beginning of FLFE, since we first started working on it, um, Clayton had brought in and an invocation and a closing to open and close the field. And we kind of made it our own for FLFE. And it was that ritual of opening that and then closing at the end, like thanking those aspects of creation that came in to help us and talk to us and saying, thanks, goodbye, you know, stay if you can, leave if you must. Mm-hmm. Um, that that, it was like a well-oiled, you know, machine that would just click into place. You know, you just do that ritual and it would, that field would open up and just that connection would open up and that peace, peace in my heart would, would just, the heart would open up. And for, for me and for what Clayton brought in and what we did together there. And for me personally as well, it's like connecting to the, to the highest source first. And then down through, you know, the like flow the energy through those realms into, you know, into me, uh, and then asking, bringing in, asking the beings to come in yeah. that I know that I know personally to ask them to come in, and then ask for protection in our conversation, um, and then blessing the earth, blessing the communities, friends and family. And, you know, blessing us so that we can bless all creation. So that's kind of the standard, you know, invocation that we've used for. Absolutely perfect. Beautiful. Almost a a decade, probably. I love it. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, for some people is they'll go to weekend workshops or um, whatever, you know, one-on-one or maybe for people and come back feeling high as kite, right? (laughs) Where you have a chance to sit, sit with each other and really kind of lift yourself up there. And you're just blissed out. There is no thing there anymore. It's just bliss and connection with all. And then the big, the big uh, 
what do, you, what do you call it? Come down happens when you go back into society or you go back home. And so the question is, how do both of you maintain that feeling that you have when you're completely open like that and bring it back with you? Other than things like what you talked about, which is to make a commitment to walking through life with a feeling of goodwill and love or with a commitment to kindness, which I think are all of those are very important. Are there other ways in which you are able to maintain that incredibly clear connection once you enter back into third dimensional world? Well, that personal ritual, of course, is, I think for me, the, the number one is that um, creating that peace myself or with Clayton or with Audrey or with whoever that I do that regularly with, it's activating that field um, and maintaining it, you know, like really there's a lot of care and feeding that goes into that uh, field that we have with others. So that field in the workshop, you know, could be a very high field. You have a great, you have a teacher that's able to activate that and create that and create that space, that crucible for of safety, perhaps in that weekend for us to do, um, you know, our own personal work or for whatever transmission they're giving to us. Um, but doing it ourselves with our loved ones or with people that we, that, that we trust to just activate that connection in an ongoing way. It seems like that's the key is like you, you keep doing it and you keep speaking into that the, the truth and the shadow uh, as much as you can of what's between you that's not said and is bringing that back into the, into the light, shining the light. And then that creating that field together with, you know, recursion seems to be the key for me to, to have that in my everyday life. And you both are very skilled and practiced at this and, um, this requires a level of maturity and uh, spiritual maturity, but also a level of discernment to know when the difference between to know when ego is speaking to us versus when spirit is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a really important area that all of us need to explore within ourselves is uh, when is ego speaking versus spirit speaking? And um, I think there are certain points of discernment because <laughs> with everything that's gone on, uh, our egos have had a field day. They, it eats up <laughs> there with a big spoon. <laughs> and so now to go back into listening to the purity of our actual spirit speaking versus mm. something tempered by ego uh, is a wonderful experiment. It's a wonderful playground. It's, it fosters maturity. And I think it's uh, one of those things that of discernment that's probably really being called for in the world today for all of us. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good point. If, if we feel that spirit is speaking, we will record it or write it down. And then that creates uh, accountability. Mm hmm because it is documented uh, if it's a really crucial kind of turning point in a project or a relationship having 
it um, recorded somewhere, you know, if you really write down your thoughts about how you feel you're being guided, then that is a way to um, hold yourself to account and not be able to hide out. And well, I didn't say that, you yeah. know, or that, that's not what was said. So that's something that we don't do that as much as we used to. Um, but it, it's one of those things when you're dealing with something really important and that's a good tool to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And then we go back and test the level of consciousness of that. So using kinesiology or pendulum, mm-hmm. then you can kind of back test what happened, what was the level of consciousness of what was, what was said. And, um, for me personally, when I'm in my everyday life, I, I try to pay attention to my heart chakra. Mm-hmm. When I get into an ego, when I get in a twist about <laughs> something, boy, that just shuts down. And I can just feel that tightness in my chest. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. wonderful. Versus the feeling of expansion in my chest. So, so in, you know, that would be another way that I would gauge, even, you know, say Clayton's talking. And he's, you know, bringing down, there's some information. How do I feel? Right. You know, how does it make me feel? Um, so that's, it's sort of my, my heart's chakra has seemed for me has become my sort of truth meter or um, yeah, ego meter. Uh, that's beautiful. I mean, what a clean, clear, and it is a very clean, clear way. How does that feel in your heart? How does it feel in your stomach? Hmm. You know? Both of those have the sensing factor before the brain does. And um, because right now, I think we have a plethora of entities that are looking to have influence over us um, alongside all of our fabulous helpmates. And um, appealing to someone's ego is the easiest way, I think, for those types of beings to have access or enter Mm -hmm. into our awareness. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you just said is absolutely right on and perfect. How's it feel in your heart? It can sound mm-hmm. like it's this evolved, wonderful message of, you know, saviors. Um, I was, uh, I, I run the other way when I hear anything about saviors. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, it's a more complex story than that. So I thank you for saying that. I think that's really beautiful. It helps everybody understand. Just look to your heart, look to your gut. Your gut will tell you whether there's truth in what's coming through. You'll feel it. And I love what you said, Clayton, Jeff, that you, when the other is speaking, you're allowing your own body to be a tuning fork, a, a vibrational tuning fork what the, for what the other person is saying. And then what you said, Clayton, in an effort toward uh, accountability and maturity to take the time to write these things down. Go ahead and use your uh, ability, whatever ability you use to ascertain the consciousness of something. These are all, I think, really, we're talking about being in touch with divine spirit. I think these are all really critical factors because so much is working for us and also so much is working against humanity right now in the mm-hmm. state of dissolution and chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can remember one experience of uh channeling that wasn't high it was it it was it was low at when we tested it later and the feeling of it was shame oh you know like you should be doing this you should be doing that um and then building up 
like, oh, well, you're working so hard and you're doing, you know, so much you deserve, you know, so it was this ego building uh, and shaming um, that were part of it. That's like, well, that doesn't feel good at all. Right. So that is, that was not, so it was right in the body right away. Like, okay, if, you, if, 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 if it feels shameful, you know, um, you know, creates division or, or has you feel like you should be getting more than somebody else, then it's just, it's not. False profit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, truth is where you find it. And it, I guess we're sort of, um, indicating that at times with FLFE, we, we ask people to try to help us discern an answer. And some of that happens in channeling. And we have a, a really sophisticated rigor in terms of kinesiology or muscle testing. And um, we do audit messages. And um, sometimes, um, well, some things seem to be self-evident in those messages. And some things are triggering because uh, our inadequacies are revealed in the, in the situation. And there seems to be uh, enough goodwill built up in the relationships through the constant uh, praying and asking for help and treating each other, you know, as well as we can um, that we, um, we can afford to admit we're wrong once in a while. And that's like, okay, this is a, a limited perception or that statement about me was, was accurate. And, you know, I need to look at that and giving each other a little bit of grace where if there's four or five people that know each other and there is a reading or some information that comes down or something is revealed in our way of being with each other, sometimes the one person can't hear the truth about themselves. They might project it back and it's like, well, you, you know, it's a package deal and you give that person some grace. You give them a pass once in a while. You don't want to let something destroy your relationship. Yeah. It's like, you really got to look at the whole package of a relationship and you can agree to disagree and respect that other person's sovereignty. And that even if they're wrong, in some objective sense, sometimes the relationship is more important than the topic. Very true, because yeah. everybody's subconscious is looking to protect them on some level, but mm-hmm. against some belief, uh, some doubt, some fear. And that may be all we're seeing is just that buffer that's happening yeah. that doesn't allow us to see in the moment. I think another, uh, another way, mm. and thank you for that, I think a, another one is when we have information that is compelling, compelling us beyond our sense of self, beyond our understanding of what we are and what our capabilities are. Mm-hmm. And even if there's some butterflies, and I think <laughs> this is really delicate to understand what is fear and what is butterflies. Mm-hmm. Both of them feel like fear. But something that's compelling us beyond ourselves that has that butterfly kind of, you know, in the stomach and saying, you know what, I don't know why I'm saying yes to this, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and I think we're in a period of history right now where all of us are being invited to move beyond ourselves 
and beyond our what we currently under, understand ourselves to be. I think it's calling everyone of every age group to do that. And when I think about it in a, in a personal sense in my own life, I would have never gone into media. I would have never had this, this mm. career had someone not challenged me and not even not in a very kind way challenged me and um, suggested if I didn't have the courage to go for this audition, then I might be a loser of some kind. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So I went, I was terrified, terrified, but I went beyond myself into a skill set. I had, I had no skill. None. I wasn't Mm -hmm. ready for this at all. And I just said, yes, but this has happened to all of us at different phases of our life where we've had to say yes to something that's truly beyond ourselves that takes us into territory we could have never imagined. And so as much fear as is circulating right now, I think it's important to distinguish the difference between being called forth and butterflies and that gut-wrenching fear in the stomach that says, oh, this feels icky. So that discernment is really important as our guides are speaking to us, as the others are speaking to us, and as we're being invited out, out into higher versions of ourselves. That's a really important point, Regina. I can think of, well, maybe a thousand times that's happened to me <laughs> in the last <laughs> seven or eight years with FLFE, yeah. where yeah. it's like, well, I had a limited perception of myself, a right. limited conception of what I could be and do, and being pushed to that next level. Um, and it's almost how we created FLFE, yeah. that keep taking those steps and move, you know, going beyond what we thought. I mean, both Clayton and I had full-time work doing, you know, running other businesses. And here we are working at night, you know, on, on the weekends on FLFV and just pushing beyond um, with the, the technology, what we could do with it, you know, and what, what, how it could serve uh, humanity and serve our evolution. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think thousands is too, too short. I think it's many, many yeah. more times than that. A lot of thousands. Yes. But and, it's, and then if, and then you, maybe you get into that every, well, we get into the zone of effortlessness. If you can just drag your body to the meeting, just drag yourself. And then it's like, you get perked up and you complain for, I like to complain for mm-hmm. a minute or two sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Grumpy. Okay. Mr. Grumpy, you get a moment and then he gets his little voice and then, you know, that I'm okay. Then you're in important. Yeah. 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 Then you're into the shining light and it's there. There's just something about that perspective. It's a higher perspective. It's sees us for who we really are, which is hugely capable and powerful and able to just literally move, move mountains. And we have this small, you know, from our education, from our entire life, our, this small conception of what we can do. So. Uh, that that's a great way to put it. The butterflies versus the, you know, gut wrenching fear. Right. Right. I love that. Well, Thank you. I think if each one of us, that, that's one thing that this whole period of history has offered each one of us. Mm-hmm. I believe every person has been invited in this lifetime, this incarnation to look at what we're being asked to move beyond within ourselves. All of us, mm-hmm. are, you know, and if we can just acknowledge it and have the courage to say, ooh, <laughs> this is going to be a little painful, but I can do it. I can do it. 
I think it's really important that that's one of those silver linings of this time mm-hmm. is to take time to reflect on what are we being asked to move beyond. Mm-hmm. We're all being asked to move beyond something in ourselves, some limitation, some shadow. We're, we need to step up. All of us have to step up. We're part of the deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say part of that bigger picture, you know, and what might be coming. Uh, I was just reading through John Peterson's, you know, newsletter. John Peterson with the Arlington Institute has been, yes. you know, friend of ours for a long time. And, um, you know, his, as a futurist, and he has a larger perspective and from going to many experts in, in you know, in finance and political political life and all these various things to look at what's coming that, you know, it's almost a similar in a way to these expanded perspective from the other side is being able to look at, well, what might happen? You know, what, what could happen to the institutions that we our whole life have been solid and have, you know, appear to be working well um, that, his contention is the more that you can see the scenarios of what might happen, the more at peace you are when it occurs, because you go like, Oh yeah, I, I've heard about, I've heard this could happen and not be in kind of out of time, out of, you know, power out of short, yeah. caught short and in fear. Mm-hmm. And it's, if we don't move into fear, then we can be, you know, as we said, much more able to connect to the intelligence within to the other side, or really it's the intelligence within each of us that's there, our connection to all that is, is in us. Um, I don't want to make it too much always the other side. It's really, it's in us. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's saying, find those experts, follow them. So I, you know, I highly recommend his Arlington Institute and the things he's doing um, to look at, well, what could happen? You know, what happens when, the government runs out of money to pay social security and uh, pensions and, 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 and uh, healthcare. All viable questions right now. You know, it's coming up, you know, within this decade, right. maybe. Right. So what does, what does that mean for, you know, what could happen? And so those scenarios then can be places that we can say, okay, well, if that could happen, then maybe I should do this, you know, to prepare for that. And, um, and then that being open to that information inside and that connection to these beings to say, okay, you know, what should I do? And yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, as you're speaking, what's coming up is looking at what, what are true assets? What are, what are our true values and our true assets? And when you're speaking of uh, institutional life perhaps crumbling or dropping away on many, many levels. The potential is there. Uh, the likelihood is even there, uh, I would say. I remember years ago, I was doing a hypnotherapy session on this woman, and she had gone through a loss. And I just found myself saying to her, she didn't know what to do. She didn't know who to turn to. And I said, can you just go where love is? Your assets are, who do you love? Who loves you? These are our greatest assets in the world, in life. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to these things you're talking about, 
having a good strategic understanding of what's possible, I think is absolutely necessary. But I think when you're look when we're looking for what that could look like on the other side of it, I realize I find myself thinking that a lot about people. And I say that, who loves you? Where could you go? Who could you help that might need help if that happens? Because when it comes down to our greatest asset and resources is each other. It's that loving connection with each other. There's nothing higher for humanity than that. Mm -hmm. And that I, I factor that in. I'm always big on having extra bedrooms, pillows and blankets, whoever gets in trouble. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll be that person in trouble one day. I hope someone has a bed and a blanket for me. <laughs> I've got one for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, that's really, that's really a key part of understanding, taking into mm -hmm. the understanding what might happen, uh, stripping it down to its studs. What are our assets? Real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the fact the video I was watching this morning was about building community building that community of support of like-minded people to, you know, grow your own food, to have, have a big garden, to have some animals, to, to um, work together and be able to call each other for help when you need, you know, something. Absolutely. We, our neighbors just jumped in three days ago. We were out running errands and uh, PG&E transformer blew on our property and Ooh. just, raged across our land and blackened our land. It didn't hit the orange trees, but the wonderful thing was everyone on, we're on a little hill, it looks like a little Hobbit hill. And uh, we're at the bottom of it. So everyone can see our property from up above. And they started, uh, the neighbor on one side heard a pop. Um, the next one saw the smoke and the coconut telegraph was operating immediately. Everyone had our backs. By the time they got hold of us, Six fire trucks from three communities and a standby helicopter were already there. And we were there. We got home 20 minutes later. It was the fire was out. I mean, it was just wow. everyone looking out for each other. And in our little hill, which isn't a formal community, we have each other in the list. If anything happens, we just text that list and everybody instantly gets the message that there's a prowler up above. Just little things like this. You can do that. Mm. They did that with micro, uh, what was called um, uh, time banking as one form of community, which I, I think we need to start playing with all these things much more seriously. Um, mm. You think, oh, that's great in a tiny little town like ours with 2,000 people or yours with 10,000 people, Clayton. But mm. in reality, what they were doing is they were doing it in a few, just a couple square block area of New York City, created mm. its own time bank, mm. you know? Mm. Community and extended community can be right in the middle of the city, can be out on a little hobbit hill in the country. It can be in the suburbs on a cul-de-sac. You're so right. That's what we need now. We need to know our neighbors and we need mm -hmm. to know that we can turn to them and we have each other's back. That's so right on. I mean, we were the beneficiary of that. that we didn't lose our house and we didn't lose our mandarin orange orchard. We just lost the land below. Mm -hmm. A couple acres. Wow. There's a gentleman named uh, Bill Koth, who one of the founding members of the Mankind Project. And he uh, wrote a book on the gifting economy, which I think is very much uh, similar to what you're talking about, Regina. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like the old, yeah. 
Yeah, it's an int- it's like the old barter system, you know, a version of that. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a different model. I think it's beautiful because a skill is a skill. If you're a woman who knows how to put up preserves and bake great pies, mm-hmm. the skill is equal to equal amount of time from an attorney that looks over a contract. These mm-hmm. are human skills. In a complex society, we have a thousand skills, anywhere from helping build a fence to babysitting someone's children. I mean, if we really looked at the incredible amount of talent, any little square block area or community in the country has, it's kind of phenomenal how much we possess by way of human riches that we can share with one another. I love mm-hmm. the idea of gifting, a gifting society of, of time banking, whatever you want to call it. It has a lot of names. I personally love it. Yeah, if we monetize every interaction that we do, it uh, it diminishes, uh, I think, our connection with the divine, Absolutely. because then it's just a it's just an exchange of value, and in, instead of an exchange of goodwill, exactly, you know, mm-hmm. can have both at the same time. But if it's just all about how many dollars, then uh, you miss something. You miss something. You miss each mm-hmm. other's genius. I've seen that in the farming community that we've we've become part of. Um, I wouldn't say we're embedded in the community yet because we're pretty new, but we had a network of people that we got connected with through the through the real estate agent who was a longtime farm, you know, grew up on farms, and they're just there's such a embedded help each other, you know, uh, community vibe there. You know, it's people it's harvest time. People are, you know, help each other uh, harvest and do what needs to be done. So it's, it's more like the old rural lifestyle, which was very much dependent on that community mm. connection and your neighbor being able to help you put up that barn or dig that well or whatever needed to happen. So, I mean, it's become, you know, more contractors and but they're all people with skills like you said regina you know like like there's that really important plumbing skill and that really important uh excavating skill and you know they but they're in this tight-knit community uh that all knows each other and all exchange together am i the only one or do you guys are you on the same page that i feel um it's really important now this isn't like really optional we need to know the people that we're living among, we need to know each other mm-hmm. and we need to start talking to each other as human beings, not as mm-hmm. side of the political divide or mm-hmm. uh, vaccination divide you're on. That, that's, that baloney has to die now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like the time is coming up and you've mentioned it, uh, Jeff, in the next, within this decade, we're maybe faced with some very unpleasant institutional changes mm-hmm. uh, that, we're going, that are going to, impact our daily lives and i think the only way through is to hold dance i mean i don't mm-hmm. know any other way through mm-hmm. yeah if those institutions are now at some point in the future not able to do what they've done in the past right. and we're on our own to do those in our communities then that's then you know it's mistaken to think that we can do it by ourselves you know that we can hoard enough or grow enough or do enough they bear enough things yeah. that to, to do it ourselves that we really need those neighbors. Well, yeah. And sometimes you have to pitch in where it's a little imbalanced. Sometimes others are pitching in on your behalf. 
I mean, <laughs> here we have a little bridge to get up the hill over to their houses above ours. You have to go over a little rickety bridge, horrible little thing, scary. Uh, finally, they said, we have to replace our rickety little bridge. And everybody from on this lane up needs to pay. And, I, and I'm looking at it. My father was saying, well, you're not going to use that bridge. And I said, yeah, but this road's going to have to be repaired one day. We're all in this together. Everybody pays regardless of whether you use the bridge. And sometimes it's just like that. And it always comes back in spades. Those same people saved our property by calling the fire department. Just a little thing, like just pitching in to help each other get done what needs to get done. Yeah, I think this is a fitting, you know, almost summary of coming to peace is this community, you know, building, building these loving relationships with people around us and um, with whatever comes. You know, it, it's kind of it comes back to building those fields, you know, with with individuals in an intentional way. Well, it's the same with your neighbors. You, you go see your neighbor, you take something to give them, you know, hey, I've got this flower for you. Hey, I've got a dozen eggs from the chickens or, you know, there's this like gift. It's almost a gifting society or a gifting, yes. you know, way of living where you you're connecting with love to your, to your neighbors and love. building that field together in, in our way of talking about the consciousness field. So I love it. Our neighbor up here has a lot of chickens. She gives me eggs. I give her lemon curd. <laughs> 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 I have some lemons that require a lot of eggs to make lemon curd. <laughs> Match made in heaven. It is. Yum. <laughs> I love all these. I love all these um, ideas we've had in the conversation about how we can find our hearts again, how we can care about which one another again, how we can calm ourselves into a peaceful state by understanding we have community, we mm. have loved ones, we can go where love is, and our loved ones can come to us. I, I, I think that is the path to peace. In addition to being able to go into higher states of consciousness and connect and hear ourselves think. Hear ourselves, hear our own messages, no less that of our guides and loved ones around us. Um, I think everything we've talked about is a path to peace. There are so many ways, it seems, isn't, aren't there? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, it sounds like we're, wrap, we're beginning to wrap up. Do we want to do closing thoughts? Is that a tradition you do, uh, Regina? Um, no, I do interviews. My closing, <laughs> my closing thought is, do you have any final thoughts on this? Yes. <laughs> well, we could let Regina go last, Jeff. You and I could go uh, closing thoughts, I'll, I'll, and then we could let Regina have the last word. Yeah, I feel like we've been sort of circling around those thoughts um, of the community. We've really arrived at building relationships with each other and um, that heart centered connection with, you know, holding the door for that person behind you or uh, your family and loved ones close to you. And um, so I don't know anything better to, to summarize from, for me personally than 
then that, that connection with those around me, um, it's what's built FLFE with Clayton and I and others that have been part of the team, you know, Evie and Ashtosh and others along, along the years, um, that, that we couldn't have done it alone. And that piece of um, being in the mission and moving forward step-by-step for me personally, is uh, what can we do to improve the world? And, and just to take that next step creates not only peace, but sense of fulfillment and, and excitement for me. So, yeah, couldn't do it without you, Clayton, and everybody else that's part of the FLFE team right now. Thanks, Jeff. Um... That's one thing to talk about peace, and that's another thing to experience peace. I would say I'm in a state of peace right now, so I'm thankful to both of you for that and for whatever else has contributed to this place that we're, that we're in together, I believe. I'm certainly in it. It's interesting, Jeff, you um, mentioned uh, being in service is what I heard. And... Um, being in service to something greater to yourself, being in service to, I guess, the greater good or what's in the highest and best interest of all creation as you can discern that. I think part of a good life and a peaceful life is having some room for that. You know, we have to take care of ourselves. We have our families and friends and community. And I think having some space in our life that we just give freely and openly to, to the greatest good for all. I think that would be part of my formula for peace. Good to see you, Regina. It's been a, it is a great journey, Jeff, and I'll pass it over to you now, Regina. Thank you. Thank you for that, Clayton and Jeff. Hmm. Um, I would reiterate what you just said. Um, I think uh, for me, it's critical to have purpose and to know that that purpose, purpose is giving something of value to others. I can't imagine what it would feel like to live life with no sense of a higher purpose that's calling us forward. And so I couldn't agree more with you on being able to take the time and contemplate where can we be of service, even if it is just bringing eggs to a neighbor. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what level it's on, but to be of service and have something higher than ourselves to give to, I think is, or something outside ourselves even to give to, I think is of critical importance in finding peace. Um, the other thing is even if our hearts feel like our chest has been cracked open with a sledgehammer and our heart is falling out onto the ground to understand we are never, ever, ever, ever alone. We're not alone in the universe. We're not alone in our own uh, multidimensional space. Our other part of ourselves is there singing to us, whispering to us. Um, our helpmates and guides are whispering to us and inviting us all the time. Just ask for help. I think it's really important to realize when, as this sense of isolation is basically kind of 
taken the whole world down into a sense of fear that we're never, there's nothing about our lives that is ever alone or could be alone, even if we wished it so. And then the final thing is simply turning to those that you care for and that you love and being there for them. Just very simple community. All of the things you both spoke about. That's it. That's on my list too. Purpose, love, understanding we're never alone. That creates peace for me. Thank you for joining this episode of Fields of Consciousness, the podcast of Consciousness Conversations. We invite you to visit the link below the episode to experience a no credit card free trial of focused life force, high consciousness environment for 15 days. If you like, you can subscribe to the Fields of Consciousness podcast and please tune in next time. We release new episodes every other week on Tuesdays at 11.11 a.m. PST. Onward and upward.